Greetings. Welcome to In Conversation with Trevor, brought to you by Heart and Soul Broadcasting Services. I go beyond the headlines and beyond the sensational. Today I'm in conversation with Jobs von Kekman, the ambassador of the European Union to Zimbabwe. If you enjoy this conversation, remember to subscribe, to like and share. Ambassador von Kekman, welcome to In Conversation with Trevor. Good morning, Trevor Tube. Like you always training before to get that name right. <laughs> and you did. It's not an easy one, hey? It's just like yours. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's complicated. a tough one, but uh, I'm, I'm sure by the end of this conversation, we'll, we'll get there. Uh, by what? the end of the conversation, I'll call you Trevor. Ah, oh, fantastic. That's That's so can I call you Jobs? <laughs> of course. Excellent. Um, so I don't take your being here for granted. Uh, you're a busy person. Um, so thank you so much for being here. You presented your credentials um, October 12, yep. 2022. And I, I've just been watching the tone from you and comparing you with your predecessor. And I'm getting a sense, has there been a change in EU policy with your coming in? Or this is a different personality? First of all, I think uh, the overall line is that we uh, would like to have a constructive engagement with Zimbabwe. Now, the question is, how do you build this up? You know, there are many ways of building up uh, an engagement. I personally believe a lot into building bridges. And uh, that might not always be possible, but building bridges requires somehow that somebody's listening to you and that also means you must talk in a way that the other gives you his ear or her ear and listens and maybe not only replies to you, but uh, also want to understand. And I think that's where I'm coming from. It's actually very simple. So I think the overall policy, if you look at the declarations we have made over the last at least uh, two years now, hasn't really changed so much. We want constructive engagement with Zimbabwe. You say it's easy. Uh, it isn't easy. Listening to each other is not easy. We tend to, listen, to want to listen so that we answer. Have you found it easy to have those kind of conversations where people give you the space to speak and listen to you? Yeah, when I answer to, yeah. what you, answer to, the, to what you've said. When, when I presented my credentials, actually, to His Excellency, I was saying it's important that we do not talk about each other but we talk to each other. And, uh, and somehow, somehow, obviously, each country, each continent has its own style. Each individual has its own style, what it means talking to each other. When I talk to you, you are probably sensitive to certain words and certain styles. And I think that is part of diplomacy as well, that you, you have the right tone so that the other one is listening to you. And that's what I'm trying to do. Mm. So, talking about, clearly you're talking about effective diplomacy. Share with us, what do you think makes a successful diplomat? What are the key characteristics of uh, a successful diplomat? 
first of all, I think you you have to believe in your what you represent. So I am European. I believe in the European values and the European system. I think we have a fantastic system. And often when I go around and I, I talk to students around the world and I say, apart from your own country, where would you like to live? One of the countries which comes up is the EU. And that's because uh, they say, well, as a woman, I have my rights. Uh, I get justice when I go to court. Uh, I am a minority. I can exercise my religion, etc. These are all our values. Mm. So I believe in that. And secondly, you have to be very open for other cultures. You have to embrace them. Because when you go somewhere, whatever country I went in the world, you see something very different. You live in your own country. I grew up in Germany in a small village. You live in that. So what's mainstream in that village is basically what tradition and other makes it. So you go somewhere else, it's different. Now you can reject it or you can embrace it. You can be open-minded and look at it and say, well, maybe that's better or that's less good than in my place. And if you have that attitude, I think you're open to understand the other. And here we are in diplomacy. Diplomacy for me comes down to not dividing people, but federate people. And somehow to bringing people closer together means I go back to Brussels. I try to make my Brussels colleagues understand what Zimbabwe or before I was in Cote d'Ivoire is about. And I also try to make understand my counterparts here what's the EU about. Uh, so it's about federation. It's about bringing people together and being open-minded. Mm. I could add a lot of other things, but <laughs> the, the the somebody said um, for for a, a diplomat to be successful, they must be discreet, they must be patient, they must not be timid, they must not be excitable. I tend to see a lot of excitement within the diplo diplomatic community in Zimbabwe, to the extent that it one gets the sense that. It almost borders on diplomats being activists. I think diplomats are not activists. When I was 20 years old, I, I, was, I was volunteering for an NGO in Germany. I was an activist. My purpose at that moment was not to bring people together. It was to fighting my cause. Yeah? And, and if that means division, it means division. Again, as a diplomat, I think, why are you here as a diplomat, is to bring a block like the EU closer to Zimbabwe and bringing Zimbabwe closer to the EU. That's the purpose. Mutual understanding. Again, an open mind listening to the other mm. and trying to understand where he or she is coming from. I think uh, that's diplomacy. So uh, then being discreet, it depends on what and when. I think we live in times of social media. We all have uh, Twitter accounts and Instagram and LinkedIn and, and other accounts and Facebook accounts. So I think also diplomacy is globally changing a bit more towards public diplomacy. And uh, so the old school diplomacy where everything is done behind the curtains, I think it's not entirely valid anymore. Well, what, what, so when you were sent over from Brussels, what, what are the key issues that were uppermost on your to-do list for Zimbabwe? For Zimbabwe? As I said, I think you, you, you find it all in the different declarations. I think it is on one hand uh, having constructive engagement with Zimbabwe, working as a partner together. Mm. Um, I think uh, also as working as a partner together means uh, mutual respect, 
mutual respect for sovereignty of the country. Mm. Uh, it also means not abandoning what you self-believe in, as I was saying, my values, mm. I believe in them, I will promote them wherever I go around. Mm. Uh, but obviously there's a fine balance between promoting values and at the same time respecting sovereignty. I think it's, it's very important. And then also <clears throat> using other tools like development cooperation in that sense. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I can exp expand further if you want. <laughs> but my point was, what issues were like banning issues that you as the European ambassador to Zimbabwe go and fix this, go and sort that, if there was anything of that sort? Well, that's very interesting, the words you choose. Go and fix it. Go and sort it. This out. is not in my instruction. You saw it in my mandate. Because that is exactly what neither my political masters nor myself believe in. If there is an issue in Zimbabwe, only Zimbabweans can find a solution, not the European Union or any other partner. So it's not that I'm sent to fix anything. I'm sent here to support what is a good strategy, what is a way forward, mm. etc. Mm. And in that, certainly, uh, and we're talking about support, not fixing. And I think that's a very important point because uh, you see me when you when you look at, uh, at, at my activities in social media, the press release, etc. You hear me saying always, we align with the national strategy because that's what we do. Mm. Yeah? Uh, because there is nothing like a European strategy for Zimbabwe. There is nothing like a European There is solution. nothing like a European strategy for Zimbabwe. Because for an issue in Zimbabwe, how mm. can there be a European solution? I mean, I'm here... Uh, since uh, since September, mm. September, September, I presented my credentials in October. Uh, so I'm here since a couple of months. How can I have a solution mm. for any issue? Of course, uh, I hope that elections go well. I hope that that's a different thing. Yeah, and and I will support any effort mm. in that sense. Mm. But I don't have a solution to mm. to a Zimbabwean problem. So you've taken us to the elections. Um, they, what are your concerns? as the elections, as we look at the 2023 elections? I, I think it's, a, it's not a concern. It is a, a hope. Because I think uh, a lot is at stake in the 2023 elections. And um, if you look at the different processes which have been started, an arrears clearance process, where basically uh, Zimbabwe would like to get uh, rid of uh, almost $19 billion arrears, which opens the door to sovereign lending, which is important if you want to unlock the potential of the country. That's a huge potential. Mm, mm. And, and uh, the government has put forward Vision 2030 for uh, being an upper middle income country. You need to unlock that. Right. Uh, you want to be a member of the Commonwealth, et cetera, et cetera. So I think elections are a trigger, a catalyst it's the, uh, I hope, the low-hanging fruit mm -hmm. to, to like somebody puts a food on a gas pedal mm -hmm. and it accelerates that process. Mm -hmm. So that's what I hope. And this hope is combined with any support we can have for elections, mm -hmm. whether it's uh, financial support, whether it's support through uh, electoral observation mission. I mean, we stand ready to do that. Mm -hmm. Have you been invited to... Um, bring together an electoral observer mission from the EU? Have you been invited? Uh, if not, where, where is that process? Because I suppose it's, it's critical to 
uh, the view that you take of the elections, isn't it? I think we believe that an electoral observation mission is always something, a positive element, because uh, it makes your electoral environment more robust. Mm. But that is entirely dependent on invitation. Uh, His Excellency President Managawa at several occasions has expressed his intention to our President Charles Michel, to myself, uh, to others, his intention to invite us to an electoral observation mission. So I think that will happen Mm -hmm. and uh, we welcome that intention as well because I think that's a, a good way forward, a good way of working together. Supposing it doesn't happen. I'm not somebody who uh, talks about <laughs> hypothetical things. Uh, right. Uh, so, Talk to me now about your reading of the run-up to the elections. I mean, the election is five months away. Uh, voter registration, issues around, concerns around voter registration, the voters' role, access to the media as far as the opposition is concerned, generally the terrain, because the terrain prior to the elections is perhaps much more important than the election date itself. What's your assessment of that uh, terrain? I think it's still early to really assess it because we have uh, laws which are still pending. Take the uh, electoral bill, for example. Uh, We don't know what the outcome is at the end. And I think this will determine to a large extent uh, how robust the electoral environment is. Uh, we have seen obviously a delimitation report, etc. But then let's also face it, the delimitation report is 400 pages, with I think 900 pages in annex. I'm not able to read that. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, so, and then I think there is something which I consider very important and which I have seen in many countries. You can have a text on paper, and I think it is important to have it. But then the application, in one or another sense, yeah is at least equally important, maybe even more important. Because even with a minimal environment, probably you can run very good elections. Mm. It's maybe easier to run not so good elections. So that's why it's important to have a more robust environment. But these two go together. Mm. And uh, so I think a lot comes down to goodwill of all sides, I say, if I have peaceful elections. Mm. Uh, everybody needs to to be in that game. Mm. The the there's been a number of concerns. I read your statement of uh, the EU uh, uh, statement, and there they there's concerns around legislation um, that might affect you know the way the, the 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 elections are conducted, or basically the environment. You know the uh, the Data Protection Act, the uh, PVO Amendment Bill, uh, patriotic provisions, and the criminal law amendment. Do you have views on those as you you sit here? I would like first to go back to the statement because uh, you pick a paragraph out of the statement. The statement actually states the complexity of the relationship between the EU and Zimbabwe, meaning we work together in trade, we work together in investment, we work together in development cooperation, we applauded a lot of initiatives. So I think what you just said has to be seen in that context mm. because that's what I am what I think it is. When you have a relationship, you have many topics. Now we come to one topic of mm-hmm. these topics. Uh, I mean, uh, 
yes, when it comes to uh, to uh, civic space, uh, I personally believe NGOs are a pillar of democracy, and uh, they play a very important role. In, in what if I say, Ambassador, with all due respect, that right. that's a Western concept, that's a European concept? Which is fair enough, because mm -hmm. you let, didn't let me finish. <laughs> I would never say, you are not allowed to have this bill. You see, they are, uh, there's two things. A sovereign country can basically issue whatever law they want. Mm -hmm. They're sovereign. Let's, let's face that. Mm -hmm. yeah? But you have always, and we have this as well in the EU, when you issue a law, you have an impact in the country. But you have also an impact outside the country. And as a partner, I can say, well, when, e when laws are issued, which reduce democratic space, which we believe in, it probably works on how the world is perceiving that country. And if you would like to change uh, a reputational issue, or if you would like to increase your good governance indicators, mm. uh, like it is said in the National Development Strategy, then I think these these points are important and they, in a way, concern us in a process like arrears clearance. Mm. So, you see, the, there are two aspects. A sovereign country can issue what they want. And I will not go and say you have to change Article 49 or mm. 52 mm. or whatever. But there's another aspect, which is the impact that it has at international level. Mm. You, you've, you've mentioned the arrears clearance. Um, and, and debt resolution yeah. a couple of times. Shall we go there? And my question there is, what's your degree of satisfaction with the progress there and what are your expectations as far as that conversation is concerned? I think it's a very good process. I, 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 I believe uh, um, if you want to move forward as a country and you want to unlock, and what I read uh, about the different visions, you need somehow to have uh, access to sovereign lending. So arrears clearance is a key issue. The people around this table uh, range from the EU to mm. the US to the UK to China to etc. Everybody's around this table. Mm. Yeah? And so it is a very important process. It's very good to have started it. I also really applaud the fact that you have high-level facilitators. You have President uh, Adeshina from the African Development Bank, who I know very well because I was in Cote d'Ivoire before. Yeah as a champion, and you have the former president, Chisano from Mozambique, uh, together with the former prime minister, minister of health, uh, facilitating that process. I think that's excellent. Now, um, you might know that the EU is co-chairing the good governance yeah. tracks. There are three tracks, an economic one, a good governance, and a land track. Now, uh, we are co-chairing the good governance track. And again, I must say, uh, we have made enormous progress and uh, what I like in particular in that track, good governance, which could seem like a complicated one, uh, the proposal of the government is actually based on the national development strategy. Mm -hmm. And the indicators chosen and proposed by the government are international recognized indicators like Mo Ibrahim, role of law index, index yeah. per uh, perception, corruption perception index, etc. So I think that's a very good start. I was saying publicly, the ball is in our camp now. So uh, so we have now with our headquarters to see uh, and how far that fits the mm. requirements of the different countries. Mm. What are the timelines, if any? Are there timelines at all? Uh, President Adeshina proposed the end of May mm -hmm. for having an agreement of a roadmap. And then I think it will probably take uh, 
a couple of years to be seen to to see the tendency. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I also think on the economic track, even if it's not my track, you should invite my my colleague from IMF for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it will probably, if, if there is a, a program by the IMF, which is called a staff monitoring program, mm-hmm. probably will take also a couple of years. Ambassador, mm-hmm. yeah. I want us to stop here and, and take a break. Please don't go away. When we come back, I'm going to ask the ambassador about uh, restrictive measures uh, or sanctions. It's a political dialogue. Mm-hmm. It means uh, you, you have uh, the government of Zimbabwe on one side, you have the EU ambassadors on the other side, mm. and you talk about uh, political vision. Mm. Now, this can be very broad. I believe in a, an exchange which allows to see where a country would like to go, and also to see where's the European Union going. Mm. Welcome back to our conversation with um, Ambassador Jobs von Kirkman, the Ambassador of the European Union to Zimbabwe. Ambassador, unpack for us the state of affairs regarding the restrictive measures that the EU has at the present moment. What are they? What do they consist of? So uh, uh, the EU over the last couple of years actually lifted uh, most of the restrictive measures. There's uh, one left, which concerns an arms embargo, which means basically a European uh, company cannot deliver arms to Zimbabwe and uh, an asset freeze of the uh, Zimbabwean defense industry in Europe. So these are the two things uh, which remain. What's the thinking there? I mean, some would argue, and I push back this to you, that Zimbabwe is a sovereign country. It needs to be able to defend itself. Why the restriction? What's the thinking behind that? I think, uh, first of all, uh, these measures are part of a, were part of a whole uh, lot of measures where many were lifted uh, already the year before, uh, last year. Uh, Actually, when we say to our companies, you cannot deliver arms, it doesn't uh, affect, in that sense, the capacity of the uh, of Zimbabwe to buy arms uh, wherever they want to buy. Uh, I think uh, mm-hmm. that's a different story. We're not sure. not allowing the Zimbabwean defense industry to buy arms. Mm. That's not correct. Mm. Yeah. Okay, the 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 statement that you issued, the, uh, we've we've already visited it and spoke about a number of. Uh, uh, issues there. You issued the statement on the 28th of February this year, and I'm going to read it, and I'm, ask, I'm going to ask you to help us unpack the things that are in there. I'm going to read a, a paragraph in there, and it starts. There is significant pot- potential in terms of investments and job opportunities, provided that the government promote political and economic reforms, facilitate conducive and more predictable business environment, tackle corruption, and foster respect for human rights and the rule of law. In the first instance, what are these political reforms that you're looking forward to, that you're calling for in this statement? In the first instance, I think this statement, and I said it already before, 
has many more than what you're just reading out mm. because you're reading out the part on business climate or you're reading out the part mm. on restrictive measures. Mm. But this actually, this statement welcomes, I think the word welcome is five, five, uh, repeats itself five times mm. in this statement. All the different activities the government uh, has undertaken mm. over the last couple of years. Why I'm saying this? I'm saying that because uh, it's interesting that all actors or many actors always go back to the things which make Zimbabwe not actually look the way it could look in the international community. When I talk to you in this statement, you're not talking about that we welcome the arrears clearance process, that we work We've together, already spoken about that. that. we work yeah. together on the NDS, that we welcome the different legislation which have been put in place. You could talk about mm -hmm. it, but you're picking the two or three things which actually make Zimbabwe appear as a country where the only topic is that. What what and, do and you I, want I will me? Come, what do you want me to pick, Ambassador? <laughs> no, you. It's fine, but I'm I'm just I'm just saying, is it not? And it's a question I ask you actually. Is it not that many actors contribute mm. to a reputation? You see, when I look at Zimbabwe, uh, like in any other country, like European countries, you can always improve a lot of things. But uh, but if you look statistically, let's say more Ibrahim index. Where is Zimbabwe situated? Somewhere in the middle. If you look at the rule of law index, where is Zimbabwe situated? Well, like Mozambique probably, a bit better than Uganda, much better than Egypt, etc. So, uh, so it's somewhere. So I think I would like to set that record straight because it's important to see Zimbabwe not only under one angle, mm. but under a lot of different I appreciate angles. that. Now, the second point is, um, as a European Union and me as an ambassador, I would like to be able at some point to bring companies here and I'll work towards that mm. and say, look at this country, mm. there's a huge potential, mm. you can invest in that country. Mm. If, I'm, if you have money and you want to put it somewhere, what are the criteria? Why do you choose country A and not country B? It's because you say, well, there's a potential, there's a market, I have a niche for my product, my money is safe. If I go to court, I get my rights, etc. So I, when I ask for a permit, I get it, etc. Mm, mm. And I think uh, if you look at the, uh, the improvement of the doing business index, for example, for Zimbabwe, it could be better. It's not bad. It could be better. Mm. So I think what I hope is that in the next years, in particular after election, we see a move towards mm. improving investment climate mm. because that will attract a lot of foreign investment, in particular from European countries. And uh, from European companies, and uh, as I say, I will work towards that. So that's that's okay. what this message says. Right, I get yeah. you. And the, uh, the the statement that I start I start read on, I've read the whole statement. <laughs> Great, <laughs> <laughs> I've read the whole statement, underlined it, and so forth. And we will share it with our with our viewers. But I want a response from you in terms of and 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 the statement, the bit that I've re read here is pretty positive. Yeah. There is significant potential Absolutely. in terms of investments. But my question is, what are these specific political reforms that you're looking at, which you've mentioned in your report? Well, I think uh, you can see them in the national development strategy. Yeah. Basically, the national development strategy is a very comprehensive document. You find uh, a lot about investment climate and you find a lot what the country would like to do mm. to, to, to bring... Uh, 
to improve investment climate. Mm -hmm. And I think if that is done, that's great and that mm. will create uh, a good investment climate. Mm. And um, there's, so I'll move away because you clearly are not willing to respond to the specifics uh, in your statement. Uh, so I'm going to no, okay. the statement. <laughs> no, 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 but I see your point. But the statement is mm. actually making reference to what is mm. what is brought forward. But your, your viewers the out there yeah. who we're trying to help understand the EU uh, situation don't know what these political and economic reforms are. And I'm trying to invite you to be specific about those reforms, Ambassador. I think these are the reforms which are put forward in the National Development Strategy mm. with indicators. Mm. So, and, and that comes back to what I said before, is as a European, I don't have a reform package which I can hand over to Zimbabwe and then they, they have to do that. It doesn't work like that. Mm. I think this is an approach uh, I personally refuse and, uh, and I think the right approach... And I appreciate that. I appreciate <laughs> and I, and I, I think uh, if, there, if there is the right mindset to say we would like to attract business, mm -hmm. which is said, mm -hmm. then I think it is obvious uh, and you find it in the national development strategy what needs to be done. Mm -hmm. Okay. Let's, I mean, I'll, I'll, leave that, I'll leave that there and move on to the, the Article 9, uh, sorry, Article, Article 8, 8, Article 8, the political dialogue. What's the status with that? And what's your assessment of uh, those conversations? An Article 8 dialogue sounds very, sounds very formal. It's a political dialogue. Mm -hmm. It means uh, you, you have uh, the government of Zimbabwe on one side, you have the EU ambassadors on the other side, mm. and you talk about uh, political vision. Mm. Now, this can be very broad. I believe in a, an exchange which allows to see where a country would like to go and also to see where's the European Union going. Mm. Because if I talk for the European Union, I give you one example. Our market, biggest economic market in the world, mm. the single market, is changing from a value-driven, from a, a price-driven market to a value-driven market. Our consumers want that. They don't want to consume a product which uh, leads to deforestation, et cetera, child mm, labor, et cetera. Mm, mm, but that automatically has an impact on other countries, on economies of other countries. So it's important for other countries to see where's the EU going. We, as a partner of Zimbabwe, we are very interested in seeing where does Zimbabwe want to go. Mm. Zimbabwe want to become a member of Commonwealth. Zimbabwe would like to move forward on areas clearance, et cetera. That's a direction. So what does it entail? What does it mean? And I think a political dialogue is... To, to see are we aligned, are we, can we go hand in hand, where are we aligned, where are we not aligned, that is a political dialogue. Mm. Now, we are currently planning one for the next, uh, within the next two, two months. Okay. So I hope it will happen. The, uh, His Excellency the President mentioned it himself in his New Year's speech to the diplomatic corps, mm. the importance of that dialogue. The Vice President, President mentioned it to me as well. So. So I think, yeah, we are on good track and I hope mm. it will happen soon. Mm. I'm sure the viewers out there are noticing that you are such a diplomat. I'm trying to pin you down, <laughs> but uh, um, I, 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 so far I'm failing to pin you down on, on, on uh, specific issues. Tell me, Ambassador, you, you've been here for five months. Six. Six months. Has there been any moment where you've been frustrated about the relationship between the EU and Zimbabwe? First of all, I have been very well received, I must say. And uh, I said at the beginning, uh, my my uh, 
my pledge uh, to His Excellency President was we need a government who talks to us. I think I can only say that has been... They're, to they're talking to you. They're talking to me. And uh, I could meet anybody I wanted. We had exchanges, uh, more formal, less formal. We have mm. these exchanges. So I think there is no frustration on that side. And whatever, whatever I may, may have probably seen on my tweets, the number of people I met, yeah, uh, in, including opposition I have met, all political parties, I have met all NGOs. Uh, and I also would like to get across that we are basically listening and talking to everybody. Mm. Now, the moment of frustration, I had it, but on something a bit else, which is, this is a highly polarized country. Hmm. And uh, while I have seen polarization before, it, it sticks a bit out. So whatever I say or I tweet, oh, there's only, always one group. Tell me about that. <laughs> <laughs> being very unhappy. Yeah. yeah. So I think in that form, I had not seen that. So it's very highly polarized. That's sometimes a bit uh, frustrating, which means there's probably a relatively small part uh, in the middle. And, uh, and that obviously makes talks not always uh, easy. Yeah? So that's very important that you've brought up that, that frustration, which is we are polarized. In, in your view, not prescribing, uh, um, in your view, what's the best way to walk out of this polarization? It's not staying in your bubble. You see, I, I could potentially only meet, I could come here and only meet opposition and NGOs. I, mean, I miss out on something. I could only meet government. I miss out on something. So I think getting out of your bubble means talking to everybody and listening, listening to understand where are people coming from. I think that gets you out of your bubble. Mm. Now again, it's, it's probably a question of age. Again, when I was 20, I was black and white. It's black and white. Uh, and, uh, and today, it's, everything is a bit more gray because you have developed this capacity of uh, trying to put myself in the shoes of somebody else mm. and then look at it from that perspective. And that sometimes looks very different. Mm. And that is something which I basically would say is valid in the Zimbabwean context, but it's valid everywhere. Mm. It's valid in your family. It's valid with friends. It's, well, it's valid in, in whatever conflict you have in the world. Mm. Yeah? Try to put yourself in the shoes of the other. Mm. I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated by the fact that as far as you're concerned, this is something that really jarred at you. This is something that jumped at you and said, these this people are at each other's throats. Yeah, because I'm, I come back to what you asked me at the beginning. What's your role as a diplomat? What do you, I mean, I, I, I'm, I like this idea of federating. If you want to federate, you need two parties who are ready to federate somehow, or you need to, somebody you have to federate with. So if it's too much, too much polarized, it becomes very difficult. Mm. Let, let's go to some good stuff. Eh? Ah. <laughs> I was waiting for that one. <laughs> let's go to some good stuff. So you are the EU. Uh, is is perhaps the biggest uh, supporter of greener uh, climate, smart agriculture. Talk to me about you, you're spending what the target is 400 million by 2025. Speak to me about the specific projects that you are engaged in this and and why. We have two initiatives. One is on gender and uh, women empowerment. The other one is on greener and climate smart agriculture. Greener and climate smart agriculture. 207 million, the other 209 million. Mm. Um, 
basically, we do that, it would be called Team Europe. Now, Team Europe is the EU, our bank, mm -hmm. the European mm -hmm. Investment Bank, mm -hmm. which, by the way, is the biggest bank in the world, for those who do not know. I, I noticed that yesterday uh, as I was reading your tweets. I'm like, really? So, but I went and checked it out, uh, yeah. And, and the EU member states. Your member states, not only those here, but also those who contribute to the funds. Because mm. all the funds we are having are coming from uh, taxpayers' money. Mm. Mm. So they come from the different member states. So uh, why greener and climate yeah. smart agriculture? And why gender? Could mm. ask the same. You could ask me the same. It's because, uh, as I said, I look into where can we build a bridge? Where does the country have a strategy where we say, wow, that is, that is great stuff. Yeah, and uh, and I, if I look at greener and climate smart agriculture, I think this is all in the national strategy. So if then I, I look at my own values and our own interests, that's a match. Mm. And similar with gender, mm. the president himself has committed himself uh, to to uh, uh, endorse the high level compact on gender based violence. I mean, that's a, mm. gender is a is a core value for the EU. Mm. It's easy to work together. Then what does it mean concretely? I mean, greener and climate smart agriculture means that we support mm. all the initiatives on drought-resistant crops, uh, different ways of planting, so that the the soil, loam soil, other soil, is used the best possible way. Uh, that uh, that there are crops instead of using herbicides, you can use uh, insects. You can have a bio approach, mm. etc. This has several things. First of all, it becomes a more uh, sustainable production. And I think that serves on one hand to reduce imports mm. and on the other hand to increase exports, mm. which we also want because we have a free trade agreement with the uh, with Zimbabwe, mm. which is in place and well, I think we could do much more. Yeah? So I think uh, we have found a very uh, fertile ground. Mm. Uh, and there's good together. activity there because I saw you at uh, the Selby project uh, and, and these guys are supported by the European um, uh, Investment Bank. They're exporting blueberries, they're exporting tea, they're exporting chilies. That, that's something good that's happening there. Yeah, absolutely. And I also visited other places in Mutare, the Tanganda tea factory, mm. etc. So I think uh, uh, we have done a pilot project with our bank in Zimbabwe. And I think we are, as far as I know, the only one... Uh, doing that with our bank to support private sector with a low interest rate, six to 8% mm. over a long period, eight years. Why? Because if you plant crops it takes or time. berries, it takes time. you're not able in two years time to have a return on what you invested. Well done for that. Yeah, And I think that worked like a charm. Mm. Everything is gone now. Mm. And we are currently in discussion with our bank to have a, a broader project even mm. on that. You, the other project that is pretty exciting is your work uh, on the Kariba Dam. And I, I must say to the viewers out there that right now we are running a generator which is baking up our solar so that we have with us power because we don't have um, um, el electricity. So talk us through your support for the Kariba Dam rehabilitation project. When did it start and what are the timelines? I think the planning started a, a couple of years ago already. Uh, obviously, the Kariba Dam, um, as you, you probably know better than me, had an issue with the splunge pool because over years when the water is coming down, it makes a hole and the hole digs deeper and deeper mm -hmm. and it goes under the, uh, the concrete foundations of the dam, which eventually 
could have led to a situation where the whole dam collapses. Mm. And, uh, and actually, uh, uh, several donors, and the biggest donor is the European Union, with over 100 million euros, said we will support Zambia and Zimbabwe in rehabilitating the dam mm. in the foundation, but also uh, up there is where the water comes spills out, actually, and that will lead to a sustainable solution for the dam. And, uh, and we believe that's kind of a nice project because uh, while it is between Zambia and Zimbabwe, uh, in terms of electricity, probably the beneficiaries are Zimbabwe. Mm, fantastic. Zimbabwe. Ambassador, we're going to take a break here and we're going to come back for the last segment. Don't go away. Um, join us after the break. And after the break, I'm going to ask the ambassador to make an assessment of where Zimbabwe stands as far as he's concerned um, on all the countries that he's worked in. I think it is important to have uh, NGOs which form a pillar of democracy. Yeah? Mm -hmm. That's one thing, mm -hmm. but it's a different thing to tell a government you're not allowed. That is wrong because mm -hmm. it's a sovereign government. Mm -hmm. The government can do what they want, but they have also to bear the consequences of what they do. And the consequences are more at an international level. Imagine getting free access to the Newsday, the Standard, the Zimbabwe Independent and the Weekly Digest for a full month. Well, you can. And all you need to do is download the Newsday e-reader app on Google Play Store or scan the Newsday QR code in any of the AMH print publications and start enjoying the quality content. Welcome back to our conversation with uh, the ambas ambas European Ambassador to Zimbabwe, uh, Jobs von Kekman. Uh, Mr. Ambassador, you've been to the Ivory Coast. You served for three years, four years. Four years. Uh, as we were starting, you, I liked your assessment of where this country stands. So you get the letter, you've been appointed to go to Zimbabwe. What comes to your mind, first of all? And secondly, when you land and you walk around this country, what impressions do you make of this place that you've been constituted? First of all, I wanted to go to Zimbabwe. Let's <laughs> start because right. uh, our system is in a way that you can put on a list the countries you ah, would like to. Right. So I uh, had put Zimbabwe as my first country uh, because I also, I like Africa very much. And before kind of going to, to Ivory Coast, I was in Brussels in charge of uh, that part of Africa, mm -hmm. the thousand part in the Indian Ocean. So I wanted to go in that part. Mm. Um, then um, I think when you, when you, before you go, yeah. you read, mm -hmm. you read. You look at videos, you, you try to you brief yourself the best possible way. Mm. And, uh, and when I did that, actually, um, and if I compare that with a hospital, I thought the patient is actually really not doing well. Mm. When I arrived here, I saw the patient playing tennis. Mm. So you see what I mean? Yeah. So, so, uh, that made me wonder um, where is actually Zimbabwe standing? So things were not as bad as you thought they would be. Is that, is that a fair assessment? I, I, think, I think it is very important to see any country in context. Now, uh, uh, 
before we started today the interview, we yeah. had a little discussion. Yeah. You said I'm living yeah. here for yeah. a long time. Yeah. So I think it makes a huge difference. Now, now you can say you know nothing because you're here for five months or six months. I can say you know everything, but it could be also that I have a fresh eye on things. Mm. And, and somehow when you when you come in a country and you you look at it in a context, meaning not anecdotal evidence, but uh, indicators, economic indicators, human development indicators, uh, environmental indicators, good governance indicators, corruption, etc. This country stands somewhere mm. and it, it's not the bottom end of the world. Uh, you see what I mean? Yeah, so this yeah. country and, and everybody, uh, any spectator could look that up. It's, uh, it's objective uh, information. Uh, you, you stand somewhere. Doesn't mean that there is not many things uh, uh, a country might want to improve. Mm. No. As I say, in Europe, we stand somewhere. But I think that is important. Yeah. And, uh, and that's what I then did. I tried to see where Zimbabwe is standing, actually. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And um, when you, the, your term of office ends, what will success look like for you? When you pack your bags, you get onto that plane, what is it that's going to make you happy that I was here for four years and this is what I did? Now, at a professional level, I think uh, I would really like to see the areas clearance process go forward. Mm -hmm. As a short term, I would love to see that these elections go well mm -hmm. and they are unlocking mm -hmm. the potential of the country. Mm -hmm. uh, and the third thing I really would like to see is that... Uh, we see a lot of business coming and investing and that the trade flourishes with the EU. Mm. This country has a lot of offer. European, Europe, uh, European countries have a lot of, uh, to offer. And I mm. think the fact that we have a trade agreement, even if we are already one of the biggest uh, trade partners, has so much more potential. Mm. Yeah. You're, you're also, the EU is the biggest funding partner for the Minister of Health. Am I right? Correct. Talk to me about that project. Now, we have traditionally been very heavily involved in the health sectors. There was the Health Development Fund, mm -hmm. where we spent uh, over 100, 126 million euros. And now recently, uh, the government launched the Health Resilient Fund, mm -hmm. where, which is a $90 million fund, where we are funding $45 uh, million, dollars, so half of it. And you have other donors. You have the UK, you have Ireland, you have Gavi. They also come in. Now, that is to strengthen the health system. And, and I think uh, uh, underlying the message is uh, uh, health is something absolutely fundamental. We, we, you know that yeah. you are not feeling well, and you're not productive. Uh, you're not enjoying life. You're, uh, it's complicated for the family. So I think healthy people help a, a, an economy as well. And, and here's the point. Health has not to be choice but yeah. a right yeah and i think that resonates with us and mm. that's why we said we go along with the health resilient fund mm. and we support it mm. i'm going to put you on the spot here we've just looked at three very good projects the health the Caribbean, dam uh climate uh resilience and, so gen the gender, as well. and gender as well good projects the government is taking your money uh or your funding ngos and that kind of stuff but there isn't the kind of response when it comes to Data Protection Act, don't do it. PVO, PVO amendment bill is not right. Patriotic provisions in the act, it's not right. They, I get a sense, and pushback as much as you want, that 
The government is very happy to get your money and spend it, but they are not so comfortable in listening to some of your advice. Now, first of all, when we talk about development cooperation, we talk about building bridges. Where can we work together? What do you want me to finance on the PVO bill? I want you to stand up and say, it's not right. I want you to stand up and say, the patriotic provisions and the Criminal Law Amendment Act are not right. And I want you to take a principled position on those issues. Please push back. Yeah. So first of all, I think uh, if you read our declaration, we did exactly that. We said, uh, uh, this is the PVO bill and the Criminal Act have a potential, they're not yet enacted. I would also like to say that, yeah, even if they have very much advanced in the process, but they are not enacted. But they could potentially lead to a shrinking of civic space. Now, that is something from an international perspective which uh, will affect Zimbabwe's stand at the international level. But there's a difference again, and I said this before, between saying that is something we, I as a person, I defend civic space. I think it is important to have uh, NGOs which form a pillar of democracy. Yeah, mm -hmm. That's one thing, mm -hmm. but it's a different thing to tell a government you're not allowed. That is wrong because mm -hmm. it's a sovereign gunnery. Mm -hmm. The government can do what they want, but they have also to bear the consequences of what they do. And the consequences are more at an international level they are more in uh, maybe weakening an electoral environment than anything else. So I think, ultimately, it's not about saying, we don't want you to do that, but it's about, we want you to succeed. We want you to have, uh, to be able to implement your own vision 2030 and to be able to unlock the potential of the country. Mm. You have put things in motion. You have put uh, objectives out in the national development strategy. We as a partner want you to succeed. Yeah. And we believe that a, uh, a PVO bill and shrinking of civic space will undermine certain processes. Yeah? But it's a fine line between you cannot do, that I will never say, and there is an impact. And this impact uh, is a consequence of these laws. Yeah? And I think uh, that's a very fine line which will, I will always keep. Mm, wow, and I like that fine line. I like, I like, I like the diplomacy that you, you're coming in with here. Very refreshing. Let's go to something uh, also interesting, uh, Ambassador. You, you've, you've sampled the country. You've been around. What place have you visited that struck you? Um, I still, I mean, I'm, I'm at the beginning, I would say, <laughs> I, uh, I went, yeah. uh, I went to Mutare. I went to Nyanga. We had a retreat there. Uh, I went to Umfuruzi which is uh, 100 kilometers away. I tried out with my wife and uh, my youngest camping. So uh, I think that was a nice experience as well. And I went uh, fishing at Kariba Lake. Mm, it's a beautiful famous spot, bream. isn't it? I was hoping for a tiger fish, but never managed <laughs> to get one. But, uh, but now in April, I have uh, all my kids coming. I have four kids, mm. two boys, two girls. Mm. They're all coming and we will make a tour mm. like a, a real tourist. We will go to Wick Falls, 
to uh, Wange, uh, to uh, Maputo. So we will really do the great Zimbabwe. Mm -hmm. We will really visit. Uh, I look forward to talking to you after, after, after when, when you've been out there. You've said a couple of times that you, you, you like Africa. Um, why? Um, well, it's actually... Uh, <laughs> at the end, I think it's a personality question. Sure. I mean, I, I lived in the Middle East, I lived in Japan, I lived in, uh, in, in many countries in the world mm. and in many European countries. At, while you are opening up somehow and you're getting your own culture, because you, I have left Germany a long, long time ago, mm. at the same time, uh, you have a personality which remains roughly the same. Mm. And I like the warmth of Africa, I like the friendliness of Africa. Uh, I, I love when I came here and, uh, you know, uh, you can have whatever problem. I go to my hairdresser and then there's no electricity. Or I, I, go, uh, I go to a friend and all of a sudden the, the water is not there. That happens in Europe. It's a disaster. Oh, my God. Here they say. We make a plan. Mm. We make a plan. So there's always a workaround. It's a strength and, and it's a weakness, a, this making a plan a, of ours. Yeah, but yeah. It's, a, it's a nice way. Yeah. And it's done with a smile. Yeah. So, and I like this. This friendliness of people. I, I really love it. Let's go to fun questions now. Um, uh, you know, uh, try and loosen the ambassador. He's been too tight, relaxed. So take off your uh, ambassadorial uh, attire. Let's now have fun. Which place would you rather be? Or would you want to be Harare or Brussels? I would like to be both. <laughs> I I love the nature. Yeah. The weather. Yeah. Have you ever been in Brussels? Yes, I have. Is the rain? Yeah, terrible. Oh, terrible. But I also like the culture. Mm. You have 82, 82 spoken languages mm. in Brussels. The cultural, I think this is fantastic as well. Mm. So ideally, I would you like want to be to Brussels. Be, okay. Snow or sunshine? Um, sunshine. Sunshine. I'm a more probably a sea person than a mountain person. Mm. But then I also do skiing and snowboarding. So uh, snow with sun is also fine. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, interesting. You are a lawyer who's turned into diplomacy. Would you choose law or diplomacy right now diplomacy. with all the diplomacy? diplomacy. Why not law? I said before the, the federation part, mm. I like uh, federating people. Mm. And uh, when you are in law, you basically on one side, uh, you defend somebody, you, mm. you claim the rights of somebody, you try to close your eyes and ears for what the other one has to say. It's exactly the opposite yeah. of what I'm doing now. Yeah. And I like diplomacy much more. Cats or dogs? Dogs, not mm. because I don't like cats, but I'm allergic <laughs> to cats. I'm allergic to cats. So we have a dog. We have a big dog at home. Yeah. You know why I'm laughing? Because uh, somebody said uh, the pe people who love cats don't like it when you, see, when you choose dogs instead of cats. So <laughs> no, no, see. but it's it's simply because uh, because uh, I'm allergic. Yeah, allergic I start sneezing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, And uh, why not fresh juice? Fresh juice? Why not fresh juice? Um, I would go for a good, uh, good wine. Bottle of wine. Uh, a good European. Mm. Uh, I would go for a French red wine and a German white wine. So. Oh, it's beautiful! <laughs> Movie or book? What would you go for? Oh, I would probably go for a book mm -hmm. uh, because uh, uh, in a movie, the image is already created. Mm. In a book, you create the images in your head, mm. and I like this a lot. Mm. Wonderful. Ambassador, what's your what's the favorite app on your phone? 
This is where people get to know the ambassador. Tell us, ambassador, what's your favorite app? Is it TikTok? Is it uh, Facebook? Is it Twitter? I mean, my favorite app is probably the one which gives me my constant health status. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. You're running and jogging. It's not, it's not about, uh, obviously, I'm on, uh, on uh, Twitter, on Instagram, mm. on LinkedIn, mm. on whatever. But uh, actually, my favorite app is actually, uh, which I, the first thing in the morning when I get up, I look how was my sleep, how was, uh, how was uh, my health actually mm. doing. How do you relax? I mean, your job must be a very tense filled job. How do you relax? How do you, um, when you get home, how do you, how do you relax over the weekend? What's the, what's your I think the form? best moment is when I see my family. Oh, uh, so that I think is, is fantastic. So, uh, coming home, having, uh, my wife, my youngest, because the others are already Big. Uh, somewhere, yeah. uh, plus our dog, they all come. And so that's it. Beautiful, That's the beautiful moment. moment. Priceless. You can't pay for that. Priceless. And, th and sometimes it's just these moments where you basically do not a mm. lot. You're just with your family. Mm. You enjoy that. They are absolutely fantastic. fantastic. And then I do yoga. Wonderful. We love books on this show and uh, I'm going to ask you what three books have you read that have changed your life that you'd recommend to our book loving audience out there I think uh, when I was uh, when I was uh, 20 so still everything was black and white as I said at the beginning <laughs> I, w I was a socialist when I was there when I was young <laughs> I was reading, uh, I was really fan of a book from Hermann Hesse, mm. which is a German author, which is Siddhartha. Siddhartha is a Sanskrit word, which yes. means uh, um, achieving the goal, basically. Mm. And it's, it's, without going into too much detail, it's about a life cycle of a, of a guy uh, where he went from leaving everything which is material apart, then being uh, being rich, falling in love with somebody, and the, the woman actually said, I only want you if you're rich. So he started being rich. Then he figured out that actually the richness doesn't give you spirituality and fulfillment in your life. So he became uh, he became poor again, and he uh, got rid of it. And at the end, he was actually living uh, with the river. Mm. And, uh, and I think what the message of this book is, is somewhere to say... Uh, the, the world is, is, a is something complete. It's not only uh, one side of the coin, it's the other side mm. as well. And these two together form the world. And that's what I, in a way, probably still have with me today yeah. by saying always put yourself in the shoes of mm. the other, try to understand mm. the other. Mm. And then it's so much easier and you better grab the mm. completeness in the mm. world. But we, it's not an easy thing to do. I've, I've said that before. But anyway, your second book, Ambassador? My second book, uh, I think, is on uh, of communication. Mm -hmm. uh, it's uh, from Fleming. It's about... Uh, it, it, I think the title is... Uh, it, it's not what you say, but how you say it. Mm -hmm. I think I have not to go in more detail on that. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and I have done a lot on communication. Mm. I have a degree in communication as well. And I, I really believe 
in uh, with a good communication mm. you can make such a difference mm. uh, you can get the narrative right you can talk in the right way of to people mm. the third and book the third book uh, I have to make a choice i think between uh, change management in europe maybe, maybe i i uh, uh, it's from a, a dutch author it's Gerd mm. mark uh, it's called in europe mm -hmm. it's actually you know when you talk about africa you have africa yeah when you talk about europe you see europe but it comes down to a lot of little things and this guy actually was traveling around europe And instead of saying, I'm Germany, Germany is this and that, he was just taking the little details. You know, uh, when you're in Berlin, you take a historical detail. You go to Waterloo in Belgium, there was a big uh, fight under Napoleon. Uh, you go to Auschwitz, there was uh, the, uh, the uh, concentration, concentration camp camps. of the Nazis, etc. Mm -hmm. So you see it and you see it under the little things. And the little things actually make Europe live in a way, in a in a in a way which is uh, so diverse mm. that it's very interesting to look at that. And mm. if you, and why did it struck me? Because you know the motto of the European mm. Union is uh, united in diversity. Yeah. It's not combating diversity. No. It's embracing diversity. Mm. And if there's a lesson which we learned after the Second World War, which uh, was the probably most devastating uh, war we had so far, uh, is to, to say, well, If I look at the other and I just look at why is he different, mm. I will never make it. Mm. So I just look at the other and say, oh, he's different. But that's mm. interesting for mm. me. Yeah, united wow. in diversity. Wow. Ambassador, thank you so much for this opportunity. Thanks It's a lot, been Trevor. such a pleasure talking to you. Um, you, you, you're clearly a communicator. <laughs> uh, you're a communicator. You are a diplomat. Uh, you have moved away from black and white and you found you you're searching for gray uh, and I think it's it's such a great thing to have you in this country in this season and uh, we look forward to having you on the show maybe as you uh, as you exit to to get an assessment of uh, how the country has treated you so thank you so much ambassador with great thank pleasure so thanks a lot Trevor wonderful allow me to turn now to our viewers ambassador who are all over the world who watch this show every Monday uh, on uh, YouTube. We are on YouTube, 7 a.m. Central African time every Monday. To ensure that you don't miss out on any of these quality conversations, such as the conversation I've had with the ambassador, please click here and subscribe, share, and like. If you subscribe, you'll get alerts every time we have one of these uh, quality shows. We have created podcasts for you, and they sit on our website Uh, for your listening pleasure. Thank you so much for your support. Until next time, cheers to you all.